Informing America's farmers and ranchers. It's Adams on Agriculture. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Adams on Agriculture. Thank you for joining us and letting us be part of your day. We really appreciate it. This is National Agriculture Day. Certainly not how we thought we would be observing it or celebrating it, but it does remind us again how thankful we should be and appreciative we should be of our farmers and ranchers. We have a good, healthy, safe, abundant food supply in this country, and even with all the challenges and issues we're facing, and in some places uh, some challenges getting uh, shelves restocked and things like that, it's not from a lack of food. Fortunately, we're very blessed with that, and we thank our farmers and ranchers for Uh, all their hard work, and all those throughout the food supply chain. Coming up on our program today, we're going to talk with the CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, Colin Woodall. We'll talk about the beef industry's response to the coronavirus outbreak and what they are working on with uh, folks in Washington as far as looking at markets and things like that. Joe Glauber, Senior Research Fellow for the International Food Policy Research Institute and former USDA Chief Economist, will also be joining us with perspective on uh, the uh, pandemic and its impact on the global economy and we'll talk with another economist today we're going to get the two economists we're also going to talk with the chief economist for the american farm bureau federation john newton will be joining us we want to get his perspective as well about uh what's happening with our economy right now and his thoughts and how he sees it uh, coming back once we are through this crisis but we're joined now to start things off by usda undersecretary bill northy bill i know you're extremely busy a lot happening right now and i appreciate you taking time to be with us thank you so very much uh give us an update on what's happening at usda we'll start with office closings and uh services that you're still providing can you give us an update please sure mike uh, appreciate being on and certainly ha- happy ag day to everybody i guess uh maybe everybody appreciates our ag producers even more in times like this and certainly all those that are part of that food chain um, obviously, it's uh, our role to uh, to support those folks out there, from from inspectors to uh, folks that are making sure that kids are still getting school lunch. And in our mission area, which is Farm Service Agency, uh, Natural Resources Conservation Service, and Risk Management Agency, uh, we have pretty much everybody working from home um, uh, with a, occasionally a single person in an office um, offices are available to be talked to or folks can talk to folks in any of those agencies by calling the regular number by shooting an email like they traditionally do we're not taking in-person meetings but we're doing a lot of phone meetings a lot of conference calls uh checking out all our our um, program deadlines and still taking signups for uh, with program uh, generally on phone we'll figure out ways to get signatures done uh, as well making sure that uh, folks that need farm loans can can still get all their work done with a loan officer as well uh, again over the phone unless we need a signature and then uh, we'll hand stuff off and stay stay uh, social distancing away from each other our NRCS folks are are still working in the field as well where they can and where they need to, uh, but maintaining that distance often if they need to be with a producer, keep a pickup bed between you and the producer, and, and we need to worry about the safety of our producers out there as well as our staff. So 
our folks are working, uh, burning up phone lines um, and conference calls and Skype and and uh, all the other di- different ways to stay connected. And so our offices are still open, services are there, uh, but uh, don't come in person. Give us a phone call, uh, and we'll be able to have the conversations that you need to have. You mentioned sign-ups and deadlines. A lot of those have already taken place, but for those that are still in place, any changes anticipated, any uh, uh, extensions or anything like that, or everything's still on schedule? You know, there will be uh, certainly some extensions. Um, We, you know, as you say, most of, um, several of the big ones uh, have have happened. Uh, Like we had our PLC that ended I lose my tra- I lose track. It was last week on Monday. Our our um, uh, crop insurance deadline was last week on Monday. Of course, we're still finishing up where we had some folks um, on registers, and so those meetings are now taking place over the phone. Um, we will have uh, some some uh, deadlines for crop insurance, and we're looking at at uh, extending those in cases. Uh, some payment deadlines, other things. Um, we are constantly listening to our producers out there and figuring out if there's something that is a hardship uh, that that needs to be extended. And we recognize, uh, you know, not all the other folks you're working with are able to get us the information or get you the information that you need to get us as well. So I think just like everybody out there, we're going to be uh, as friendly as we can, recognizing the circumstances that folks are going through. Uh, we're in constant conversation with the Hill as well. Um, Capitol Hill is very much looking at some support packages, um, and certainly the administration and the, and the president has looked at lots of things that we can do and and how we handle loans and, and uh, what other flexibilities that we have. And I think stay tuned. Um, uh, farmers.gov is a site that we have where we have a lot of information, including those local service centers. If you want to be in touch with the service center, their phone numbers are there. Uh, I think in some cases their emails are there, but at least phone numbers are there. You should be able to get a hold of your local service center and find out if you have a deadline or a program that you'd like to participate in, what the status of that is. We're talking with USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey. Bill, what about uh, your staff? Uh, we know about everyone, you know, uh, is not only working from home when they can, but we know a lot of people have uh, uh, contacted the, the come down with the virus, and we've heard about some shutdowns of part of USDA in the building and uh, some staff people maybe being sick or quarantined. What's your staffing situation? You know, it's uh, for the most part, as you say, folks are, are working remotely um, or certainly separate from each other. I happen to be in the Whitten building today, and, and it is pretty empty. Um, I, I, we've, we've got one other person in, in our shop here, and, and we talk by, by phone uh, typically. Um, we've had several conference calls with others. Some are in the building. Most are not, um, and uh, we're doing that all by phone. Um, out in the countryside, we have uh, very few cases relatively, but, but as you mentioned, there were, we had a case, uh, a likely case that came that was in the Beacon Building in, in Kansas City, and that 
cause us to make sure that in abundance of caution that that person could have exposed others. Let's close that building down, clean it up, make sure everybody's out and work from home. Uh, so, so we've had, um, you know, very small number of cases uh, across the country. Mm-hmm. Others that are concerned about contact that they've had with folks um, outside of USTA and and wanting to make sure that they don't spread it to other employees or to our customers. Right. Bill, thank you for your time. Stay safe, and we'll talk again when we find out what Congress uh, approves and how that impacts agriculture and different programs that you administer. So we'll stay in touch. Thank you. Thanks, Mike. USDA Undersecretary Bill Northey. Farmers can't choose the weather, trade policy, or market prices, but they can choose the most advanced dicamba with confidence. Ingenia Herbicide has the lowest volatility of all dicamba salts for more successful on-target applications. And it's straight from the dicamba experts, BASF. So make the confident choice for your soybean crop. Talk to your BASF rep or authorized retailer. Ingenia Herbicide is a U.S. EPA restricted-use pesticide. Additional state restrictions may apply. Always read and follow label directions. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by Colin Woodall, CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Colin, thank you for joining us. We want to talk about different ways the the beef industry is responding to COVID-19, but also looking at uh, what you're uh, asking for or seeking from Washington during this crisis. Uh, Can you bring us up to date? I can, Mike. Thanks for having me. Of course, one of the priorities for us is just making sure that the beef supply continues. Uh, We are continuing to see photographs from across the country of empty meat cases, and we're just trying to remind everybody we don't have a shortage of beef. We do have a lot of empty shells out there, and trucks are trying to keep up, and stockers are trying to keep up, but the beef is coming, and we just want to reassure everybody that that's the case. We also need to make sure that we have a commitment both from the packers and USDA to keep these plants up and running, and that's exactly what we have. All the packers are running. They have contingencies in case they do start to see sick employees, and uh, Secretary Perdue, all the undersecretaries have made their full commitment that we will have inspectors and we will have graders. So I think that overall is uh, is reassuring to all of us in the industry that we can continue the flow of cattle, the flow of beef, and ultimately make sure the chain works. That being said, we are seeing incredible demand in the retail outlets right now. We are seeing the cutout uh, price uh, go up, and we're making sure that we're putting pressure on the packers, asking them to pass some of that back down to those of us on the producer side. And we've seen some actions from Tyson and National over the past week that indicates they're willing to do that, and we're going to continue to ask them to be aggressive in their bids, to be active in their bids. But they need to make sure that all segments of the beef chain are healthy in order to get us through this crisis. And as you said, uh, NCBA, like many other groups, are going to Congress working on the stimulus package right now, and we are asking for an increase in USDA's Commodity Credit Corporation funding from 30 to $50 billion in order to make sure we have a market facilitation program for cattle moving forward. So we'll see what Congress does on that. I, I, there's a lot of emphasis and uh, concern about market disruption and manipulation. Uh, what can you tell us about what What's happening there, the oversight, and and making sure that uh, that's handled properly? 
So the oversight is being handled properly, and we've had direct engagement from Secretary Purdue and Undersecretary Eyeball. Uh, they have made phone calls to the Packers. Uh, Secretary Purdue has sent some very clear messages through social media over the weekend that he's watching what they're doing and that uh, he is going to uh, hold them all accountable for their actions. And then on the CME side, there's a lot of concern right now that the CME seems to be uh, disconnected from what's going on in the cash market. And we know that Secretary Purdue had a conversation with CFTC Chairman Heath Tarbert about that over the weekend and also asked him to be vigilant here. So we're getting a lot of cooperation from the regulators in their oversight, their monitoring, and making sure that everybody continues to uh, do what they should be doing in the time of a crisis, and that is uh, ensuring the product without taking undue advantage of the situation. We're talking with Colin Woodall, CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. Are you finding or hearing of any problems uh, in the food chain, the beef supply chain, Colin? We're not. So that is a key component of this, is making sure that everybody understands that we don't have a shortage. Of course, we had a lot of product that was teed up to be used in restaurants and food service. And with restaurants closing down or scaling back or going to takeout order uh, only, that means that we have to find something to do with that beef. And it's not as simple as just putting it on the truck and taking it down to the grocery store. Uh, there are some uh, labeling requirements and some regulatory requirements where that product has to be be uh, relabeled, reboxed, and prepared for retail outlets. And we've had a lot of cooperation from the Food Safety Inspection Service in making that happen. We're working directly with food service distributors to get that done. And so we haven't seen any spoilage or any waste. We've been able to refocus that, uh, get it into the retail chain, and make sure that it's being picked up. And demand is through the roof. But what's really interesting is when we see a lot of these photographs of empty meat cases, Mike, we're seeing it right next to photographs of beyond burgers that are fully stocked so i think this shows that even in time of crisis people don't want to eat fake meat they're going for the real thing uh let's uh let's let's look at this a little closer maybe maybe we need more time on this but as you mentioned demand at the retail level is extremely high as we see the restaurant industry shut down but we know that well those steakhouses are so popular and you move a lot of product through them and through uh, the restaurant chains uh is the increase in retail demand um how does that offset what you're losing on the restaurant side or or how does that how does that play out you think for the industry overall so far, the increased demand in retail has been able to take up the slack in the losses that we have seen in food service. But you do bring up a good point, and that is how long will this last? Because with so much demand, we know that freezers are getting full, and at what point in time are we going to see the consumers start to uh, trail off here? And will that be at a time that we also see the reopening of restaurants? That is something that we just don't know yet, so there is some, some uncertainty in that regard. We're watching that very closely, but right now we are moving everything that we can produce, and that is uh, good for, for us. It's good for the market, and that's what we need to maintain because if we lose a packing plant, if we uh, see a, a slowdown in the beef supply chain, uh, that will make the market woes even worse than they are right now. We're in a time of so many unknowns. One of those unknowns is how do we rebound from this or come back? Are you concerned about businesses that are shuttered now, especially in the restaurant business, food service industry, some of those not coming back. 
Uh, we are concerned because uh, you have a lot of uh, small restaurants that uh, may not be able to recover, and every restaurant we lose is uh, another outlet for beef that uh, that goes down. So, so yes, we are very concerned on that. Of course, we'll have to wait and see how this all uh, transpires, but this no doubt will have a ripple effect throughout the beef industry for months to come, if not longer. So we're uh, going to spend a lot of time uh, monitoring those closures, monitoring how things get back to an equilibrium and what kind of changes we see in overall demand after we finally get over this COVID-19 crisis. You mentioned earlier about your request to Congress and the stimulus package. We wait to see what happens in the Senate. But uh, looking at uh, MFP payments, including uh, payments for uh, beef producers, uh, how would you like to see that done? So we are going to work directly with USDA to make sure that it is equitable among all segments of beef production, uh, to make sure that the seed stock operators who have had sales be canceled with this crisis are covered, calf producers covered, stockers who are coming off of wheat pasture right now to be covered, and also look at feeders. Uh, we uh, we have USDA looking at some ideas. We're also compiling our own information. We don't have the details of that program yet, Mike, but it's going to be a top priority to get that done as quickly as possible, just as soon as Congress can pass this stimulus bill and get it over to the president's desk. Colin, what are you hearing from beef producers around the country going through this? Everybody's concerned. Uh, they're concerned about the market. They're concerned about a packing plant going down. Uh, they're concerned about the uncertainty that this brings, not only in the immediate term, but also in the future. And so we're just trying to do everything we can to make sure that we keep the uh, the supply chain moving. Uh, as I said, we've spent a, a tremendous amount of time on that, and the reason why is if we see a slowdown there, that makes this crisis even worse for those of us in the, in the beef business. So that's why we're spending just so much time working with the packers directly, telling them to keep operating, uh, telling them to make sure that they have their contingencies in place in case there are sick workers, and also uh, beating on USDA to say you you have to have contingencies in place for not only the uh, food safety inspectors, but also for the AMS graders, because we need both to make sure that we can get product out to the retailers. What about the truckers? You were already working on that hours of service issue. Where does that stand? So we were able to get an exemption for hours of service for truckers. We're also trying to get an exemption on uh, on weights or an expansion of weights so that way we can move more product. Uh, we've been very pleased at the Department of Transportation's response to us. They have been willing to work with us. And we also saw where the Department of Homeland Security has uh, indicated that they will be classified as essential and that also support workers, so truck stops, et cetera, will also be considered essential because that was important. We were starting to hear some reports last week that truck stops uh, were shutting down, that rest stops were shutting down, and so it doesn't do a whole lot of good to have truckers on the road when they can't stop and get a place to uh, grab something to eat or, or make a quick pit stop. Uh, we've, we've been able to, uh, to, to get the government to engage on that, and so the reports this week are, are much more favorable. We're getting the product moving. And again, uh, it's, it's not about a shortage out there. It's about just the sheer demand and all of the empty shelves and the fact that these truckers are working as hard as they can to get the products into these grocery stores. Yeah, it, this crisis has reminded us and made us aware of all the different parts to that supply chain and how important they all are and they need to work together. Colin, thank you for the updates. Stay safe. Thank you, Mike. Colin Woodall, CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association. 
All right, the rest of the show, we're going to talk about the impacts on the economy. We have a medical situation. We have an economic situation. We're going to talk with Joe Glauber, former USDA chief economist, next on AOA. Time now for a market check here on Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson from the American Ag Network. Granted oil seed sector, an easier tone on a Tuesday. Lower oil and gas prices creating poor margins for ethanol producers. That's keeping pressure on corn futures. Cuts to ethanol production have been reported in the past week. On Monday, Poet announcing it had stopped buying corn and a few locations. Grain futures pulled back overnight after rising on Monday's trading session. May corn did settle marginally lower on Monday as the market traded within the recent range. May soybeans advanced again on Monday, the bulls driving the market higher. An hour in on this Tuesday, defensive in soybeans for the nearby contracts. May soybeans down eight and a half at eight seventy five and a half. November new crop down a penny eight seventy one and a half. May corn down three and a half at three forty. December down four at three sixty and a half. Chicago wheat new crop July down four and a half at five fifty one and a quarter. Kansas City July down two and a half at four ninety and three quarters. Minneapolis spring wheat May at five twenty seven and a quarter. Asking down three. September a bid down three. At 5.43 and a quarter. Livestock at the Merck. Cattle futures rallying once again. Limit higher with expanded limits on a Tuesday. April live cattle up $4.50 at 106.15. June up $4.50 at 97.02. Feeder cattle April up $6.75 per hundred weight at 130.07. May at 129.50 up 6.75. Lean hog futures nearby April up $1.80. 6637. The Dow up 1,419 points. S&P up 144. NASDAQ up 368. Crude oil up 3 cents a barrel. You're listening to Adams on Agriculture. I'm Rusty Halverson for the American Ag Network. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now back to Mike Adams. So as we continue to go through this crisis, we're looking at, of course, both the the medical side and the economic side. Let's uh, kind of focus on the economic part of this. Joining us now is Joe Glauber, Senior Research Fellow for the International Food Policy Research Institute and former USDA Chief Economist. Joe, thank you for joining us. Um, When you look at what's happened now, the shutdown for the most part of of our economy and what we're seeing happen globally, uh, really kind of unprecedented times we're going through. How do you see the economy coming back or ramping up once we are through this crisis? Yeah, I think uh, you're you're right about being unprecedented. I, I think, you know, um, you can look at analogs like like the big recession we had, of course, in, in 2008-9. And, you know, there, if you look at ag trade, um, Certainly compared to manufacturers, certainly compared to energy, it, it, the decline in two, between 2008 and 2009 was was pretty small. I mean, I think in volume terms, ag trade was only down two percent. Now, don't get me wrong, two percent is two percent, and and uh, you know we saw prices drop in 2009, but a lot of those pri- the price drop really was because of the real short supplies we had in 2007-8 had pushed up world prices. We saw a lot of wheat being 
uh, grown and, 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 and come to harvest. So, you know, trying to make the analogy saying, okay, well, we're going to see a, uh, you know, uh, everyone now says looks like we'll see a fairly large recession coming. I think the recession could be obviously larger than what we saw in 2008-9, depending on how long this, this inactivity uh, goes on. But um, it, it, people still got to eat. I mean, I, I know that, that sounds uh, uh, trite in one sense, but, uh, you know, what we saw in 2008-9 was, you know, a little bit of cutback in restaurant eating. But for the most part, uh, and here, obviously, because of the disruptions, you're going to see a lot of at least for a few months, a lot of uh, uh, switched that way where there will be a lot of food consumed at home. But I think the bigger issue is on the supply side and on the, the potential supply disruptions. And there I think the, the better analogies are probably, you know, uh, the fire we had in the meatpacking plant and, and, and other sorts of things where you see prices uh, jump up at, at retail level, but at the, uh, for the farmer, uh, they're seeing a glut and so lower prices. Um, how you know, I think the real question is how long does uh, do people start getting back to uh, work, and and hopefully we won't see the big big disruptions in supply chain that that some people fear. Yeah, I was going to ask about that. The supply chain so far seems to be functioning well and staying open. Now we know because of uh, just huge demand at certain places there are some empty shelves but they they get restocked i mean it's the the chain is still working and moving uh which says you know says a lot about our system but it also reminds us that that's that chain is vulnerable too and that's why uh the precautions have to be taken to keep it open yeah that's right i mean i you're right i you know all this this sort of uh, uh precautionary buying or hoarding or whatever you want to call it with with i mean we're still seeing it here in the Washington area where a lot of the uh, staples are, are, are out. Um, and because, of, you know, I mean, all of these grocery stores and, uh, and everyone else has moved to, you know, real short inventories and, 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 um, you know, it's just in, in, when you have such enormous demand, it's very, very difficult to keep those, those uh, shelves stocked. But, but at some point, everyone's going to have a lot, you know, a lot of flour, a lot of sugar, a lot of toilet paper, everything else, and and I think that that should abate, uh, and I would expect that to abate fairly soon. Um, uh, but the but the bigger question I think is okay, what 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 would happen if you have an outbreak in a meat packing plant where you really would have to shut down things, or you know the concern uh, people have had about uh, bringing in uh, farm labor and H two A workers and other things. Uh, all that has to function pretty smoothly, I think, to to uh, you know keep the the um, you know the ag sector humming along, and and you know hopefully that will that will continue. I mean, I think we've you know we saw the sort of panic that some people had, where they said, well, gee, are we really essential workers? Should and and you know getting those those assurances that indeed you <laughs> yeah food's pretty essential. So uh, hopefully. You know, but it but it, it it stretches everywhere, and and any little impact can all of a sudden have have some uh, implications for for the supply chain, and and you know it's so dependent on so many different inputs and so many different pieces along the way that you know we tend to look at these bottlenecks and and try to understand where the the stress points will be, but with with something like 
you know, a pandemic, it, it just becomes, uh, I think it, it's, there's a lot more vulnerability. So hopefully we won't see it, but uh, um, I think that's, that's the nervousness that's in the system right now. We're talking with Joe Glauber, Senior Research Fellow for the International Food Policy Research Institute. Joe, uh, what do you make of China's purchases of our ag products uh, right now? Well, I think they're, you know, it seems like they're trying to comply with, with, with phase one the best they can. I, you know, the wheat purchase that we've seen, certainly uh, uh, they had made some purchases of, of uh, sorghum earlier. I think, you know, a little bit of soybeans. The, I think most people are anticipating those soybean sales to come later in the year. Um, interesting, I saw a piece that a that, uh, uh, blog post did on, on Chinese purchases, and it's it's confirmed sort of what I suspected that more of the purchases uh, are being made by uh, the big China um, state-run organ, uh, operations like Kafco and Sinograin, uh, at least coming out of the U.S. And so that doesn't surprise me. It looks like the commercials are buying from from other uh, suppliers. Uh, I wish the U.S. had more of the commercial business, frankly, uh, but. But the, the the big thing is to get you know uh, uh, those exports back uh, running to the to China, and so hopefully this can jumpstart this, and hopefully we can ultimately get to a more normal normalized situation. Yeah, normal, whatever that is or was, yeah. Uh, we're, yeah, yeah, we're all. Fine. Yeah, we're all anxious to get back to some form of that, right? And uh, time will tell. Uh, a, a sector that we're seeing really hard hit right now, too, is the ethanol industry, and we're hearing about uh, plants uh, shutting down, idling, not taking uh, uh, corn. Uh, this is going to have a, quite an impact as well. Yeah, I, absolutely. I mean, you know, ethanol, we, we tend to forget how important ethanol has been. Uh, uh, I mean, I, I know corn growers haven't forgotten that, but uh, I think the, maybe the rest of, 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 of the world tends to forget that you know, we're we're talking about, you know, thirty-five uh, percent of the corn crop going towards ethanol grind, and and um, you know when you have a slowdown, projected slowdown in in miles uh, driven that that uh, you know, that, and, and then layer on top of that these really low uh, oil prices that have really made this, uh, you know, the, uh, the profit margins go. Um, go away it, it, it's tough and i think the you know we, in the midst of all of this we have this small uh, refinery uh, issue still brewing and trying to figure out i guess we'll have a, a d- decision today whether or not the administration is going to appeal that that ruling but um you know this has been a big market it's um you know uh, uh and to have ethanol plant shut down uh you know we saw some of that in 2012 13 when you know, uh, corn prices were so high, but here's a case where, you know, we're seeing the lowest oil prices we've seen in a very, very long time. Gasoline prices, someone, uh, I, I saw a piece yesterday saying they were selling for under a dollar a gallon in Louisiana, maybe, which is just amazing. These are, uh, yeah, unprecedented times for sure. Finally, your thoughts as an economist. You, you mentioned this earlier, talking about recession. Some have even said we're heading to a depression. What are your thoughts on, on the general economy, where you think we might be headed? 
I think, yeah, we're we're definitely looking at a, at a downturn. Um, I think the real question is is whether or not this thing is pretty much taken care of uh, in a, in you know a, a, a number of weeks or or months. Um, you know, it could be very very different. But uh, I, I think we will see um, you know recovery and you know the fundamental things is just that. I, I just look around and you, you know, you're. Uh, I'm sure it's where you are too. You just you see all these restaurants shuttered. You see all these people out at work. Um, that's that may work for uh, for a, a few months, but we're going to have to see, you know, how much money Congress is willing to pour into the economy at this point uh, to try to keep it going and to be ready to jumpstart it when when we get rid of uh, or we get this virus down to a. a manageable level yeah we're kind of watching to see what happens uh on capitol hill and see what they come up with all right joe thank you for being with us appreciate your time be safe yeah you too mike thanks bye joe globber senior research fellow international food policy research institute and former usda chief economist speaking of chief economist coming up next John Newton will join us. He is chief economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. We'll get his thoughts on the impact of COVID-19 on the ag economy, the general economy, and his thoughts for how we come out of this and what the rebound uh, will look like. So that's coming up next. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA, Adams on Agriculture. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know. Adams on Agriculture. Now, back to Mike Adams. And we're joined now by John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. John, thank you for joining us. As we go through this shutdown, we, we've we seen this shift now from the uh, restaurant and food supply sector to really, for the most part, the retail sector. Uh, we heard... Colin Woodall, CEO of the National Cattlemen's Beef Association, earlier in the program today, say that so far, when you look at uh, product moving, the surge in retail has, for the time being at least, offset the loss of the restaurant food service uh, sector, that business. How do you see this as we move forward, if this lasts much longer, how that, that balance plays out and what that means for the economy as we start to come out of this? Well, first, thanks for thanks for having me on, and and I hope that uh, you know we we start to come out of this this pretty soon. And, and you're exactly right. And you know, last year, Americans spent 1.7 trillion dollars on food. About 680 billion of that was food consumed uh, in full or or limited service restaurants. So you're seeing that demand move in the short run, at least, into the retail space. I think, you know, there's a, a number of economic implications to think about that, what that does to uh, the farm share of the food dollar will certainly have an impact in, in 2019. But these retailers are having a hard time keeping up with essentially moving all that demand from the restaurant to the grocery shelves. And it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, at some point, are all the freezers stocked and uh, the pantries are stocked? Uh, and then 
when people are allowed to get back out again and go to restaurants, is that a big immediate rebound, a slow one, or how do you see this playing out? You know, I, I, you know, unfortunately don't have a, a crystal ball. I, I would imagine people slowly start to get back to, to life as usual. Maybe we, you know, the president said last night, you know, thinking about uh, open America back up for, for business, but maybe that's uh, on a limited capacity where we're still practicing some of these social distancing rules, still being very vigilant to not continue the spread uh, of this virus. And when you look at where these cases are, uh, nearly 50% of them are in New York City, very, very densely populated area. Uh, in rural America, you, you don't see the same uh, number of, of confirmed cases. So uh, there is a possibility that we could we could get started, uh, resume business, and, and still be vigilant. I think the president said we can do two things at once. I think we just have to be careful uh, when we do that to, to not escalate or, or reignite the spread of this virus. We see what's happening in the biofuels industry, plants being shut down, uh, workers being laid off, uh, uh, not buying corn at some plants. Obviously, that, that has an impact on the market. Uh, what are your thoughts on that? I'm, I'm glad you asked me that because I, I feel like the ethanol sector has, has really uh, been hit with uh, two body blows. I mean, the first is, is obviously what's happening between Russia and, and Saudi Arabia and what that's done to oil prices uh, and then the, the demand for gasoline. If we move gasoline demand down, we're going to move ethanol blending down. And, and I was running some, some numbers this morning. I think we're looking at, if you look at Iowa State's uh, ethanol plant model, if you use their model and you look at where ethanol prices have fallen, uh, we're talking about a break-even corn price. They need to they need to get corn in their door uh, for around $2 a bushel. And, and with corn at three fifty a bushel, uh, that's not happening. So I think that's the reason why you're seeing some of these decisions being made uh, at the ethanol plant. Once once this all get moves past us, and once the, the Saudis and Russians uh, come to some sort of conclusion on oil, if we see higher oil prices and the economy gets going, ethanol is going to move along with it. But we don't know how long of a tail we're dealing with here, and I think that's the uncertainty. The market's spooked because they don't know if it's a short tail a long tail, what demand looks like when we get started again. I know you've got to get to another uh, uh, appointment. Before we let you go, your thoughts on the trade, the global trade situation, how it's been impacted? Yeah, well, there's you know, there's no way that you can uh, kind of shut down or, or, or stall global supply chains without that uh, having a ripple effect. And I think it, it, it is going to happen. I think, uh, you know, obviously we're going to work with the Chinese, make sure that uh, they're able to buy our product. We take these non-tariff barriers to trade down, but I think it's it's going to have an impact, and that's why it's so important. This package that that's now stalled uh, on the Hill uh, to get this support to farmers, we asked uh, folks on the Hill to raise the CCC uh, authority up to $50 billion on a temporary basis uh, because USDA is going to need to figure out how we help our cattlemen our dairy farmers, our corn, soybean, wheat producers, our specialty crop growers, everybody's going to need to get through this. And USDA needs all the resources they can have to do that. Uh, but folks on the Hill are blocking that right now. And, and so we've, we've asked, we sent a, a coalition letter yesterday with up to 50 groups on there representing just about all of agriculture uh, to, to make sure that folks on the Hill know how important agriculture is and knows that they need an effective safety net to get through this on the other side. Yeah, a lot of attention right now on the Senate and what they come up with. Hopefully we'll know more today. John, thank you for being with us. Stay safe. 
Thank you. Take care. John Newton, Chief Economist for the American Farm Bureau Federation. So, so much hanging in the balance now with this uh, this third stimulus bill that uh, they are debating, arguing about in the Senate. And I tell you, it is frustrating to watch how this has been going on, the, the politics that are at work here, um, really on both sides. But uh, there's a lot, of, a lot of things concerning here about things that are trying to be put into that bill that have nothing to do really with the dealing with the coronavirus and uh, they've got to put all that aside and, and get to work get this thing done hopefully it's going to happen today and there'll be a, a big chunk of that will be for agriculture as we've been talking about on the program today so we'll, we'll be watching and see what's in there and getting reaction to it and continuing to watch this impact on the uh, on the ethanol industry in particular the biofuels industry overall and it, it the ripple effect that has throughout the ag economy and uh, waiting of course too on the administration's decision on whether or not they're going to appeal that 10th circuit court ruling on small refinery exemptions it seems like they're leaning towards not appealing it now but we've been back and forth on this uh, up and down so we'll just wait and see still a lot of questions hopefully we'll have more answers tomorrow and we hope that you will join us right here on aoa and again email me mike adams at americanagnetwork.com your thoughts on the on the shutdown how you're handling it what you see going on what do you think of washington's uh, response to it want to hear from you be safe everyone